welcome to episode number 12 of the Lab I-68 podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who want to get their restless behinds out of the pews and into the battlefield for the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and encourage you to put your faith into action in every area of your life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. My name is Leah and I am joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. The truth is is that we all stand for something, right? Whether we say it out loud or not, our posture towards something is very telling about what we believe to be true or false or good or evil. And in a way, we are all excellent communicators, but sometimes it isn't the exact message that we actually intend or should convey. Online or in person, our words or lack of words is very telling. And this is the very reason I asked our guest to join us today. My guest today is a speaker, podcaster, TV host, and communications consultant living in downtown Toronto. With business and theology degrees, she's been helping the local church communicate the best news in the world for over 15 years. And you can catch her interviews with Christian creatives and communicators on the Word Made Digital podcast, daily communication tips on the Future Church podcast, and her Bible teaching on the national TV show, See, Hear, Love. Please welcome to the show, Joanna LaFleur. Joanna and I chatted earlier this summer about the life of communications in our daily lives, online and in our churches. How do we effectively communicate in person and online and maybe avoid being that person online? You know the type. How do we study culture to know how to more effectively communicate the gospel? And in this episode, Joanna gets pretty straightforward with all of this and gives us an approach that we can all learn from. This week, I would love if you are a regular listener to do two things. One, rate a review and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. That is going to help us further this show and really bring on guests that are going to continue to pour into you. Those numbers truly do matter. And so if you have been listening along with us for this is your 12th episode or your third or whatever, it doesn't really matter. We would love to have you review the podcast. That would be amazing. And the second thing you can do please join the Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith. We are starting to bring in more women who love Jesus and are in the journey towards a more intentional, integrated faith. I am also wanting to take our relationship to the next level by taking episode and guest suggestions. This is going to be a great place where we can really build this together and where I'm making sure that we get the topics that you want to hear. Okay, let's give a warm welcome to our guest, Joanna LaFleur. Thank you, Joanna, for coming on to Lab I-68. Just so honored that you are here. And I am excited to talk to you about communications and how do we communicate the gospel well, whether that be in our personal lives or in a ministry setting or wherever that is. And I would love to know, before we really get started, what are some of the roles in your life right now and where are you recording from? Yeah, that's a good question. You and my mom are both probably asking those questions. What do you do (laughs) and where are you right now? Um, So where I am is easier. I live in downtown Toronto, Canada. So I live, I often say I live where all the Airbnbs are or like where all the tourists, if you were coming to Toronto as a tourist, you'd probably uh, hang out in my neighborhood. So I um, live right in the heart of the city and love being here. You know, I step out my door in a normal time, step out my door to festivals and music and restaurants and everything's here. And now, of course, in 
pandemic times, things are a bit strange, but um, my work is related to all things communications. So I am a communicator myself. That includes speaking, preaching, workshops. Um, I'm part of a TV show called See Here Love, which is a women's Christian talk show. And I do the Bible teaching on the show, but I also join like a group of women on a couch and kind of like the view mm-hmm. of Christian topics. And so, you know, we bring on guests and do interviews and stuff and I have a podcast myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's under the communication thing. So as a communicator, I do those things, but then I also help others communicate. So that would be um, communication consulting, communication strategy, digital content, social media management. And I have a little team that I work with um, that goes into churches and nonprofits and predominantly Christian organizations. And we try to help people communicate good news. Yeah. Are there a lot of churches that are asking you to come alongside them through this season in terms of communication? Like your role as an, in coaching or in consulting or anything like that, what does that really look like for a church to do or to have you yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I kind of joke. I'm like, yeah, lots of churches want help. And most people want free help yeah. <laughs> um, because, I mean, frankly, I mean, we all like stuff that's free. But more than that, I think a lot of churches, you know, limited budgets. There's only so much that people can afford. Um, So as much as possible, I do try to offer free advice, free tools and resources. There's lots of ways I do that online Mm -hmm. through things like this even, right? Like doing podcasts as often as I can to try and connect with people and and encourage them and give them some practical tips. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, churches will bring me on whether we're doing like a strategic planning day or working on and working on like a full assessment of what's going on and what they say that their goals are. So then how we can make a roadmap to meeting those goals, or sometimes it's an audit, like people are doing, they're going along, but they just want outside eyes to say like, what's not working here? Or what do you think we could do better? Or, or because I'm in a broader world of church communications, you know, I get to see things from all over the world. So sometimes people just want like, what's the best stuff that you're seeing in this thing that we're trying to do, you know, from other places all over that we as a church haven't had any time to look at, but that's your job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I do do coaching. That's one of my favorite things is, you know, with a communications director or creative director or the, you know, the team and the pastor together, the volunteers, you know, getting on zoom or getting in person in the old days (laughs) and just like, you know, coaching, encouraging, um, you know, doing that more regularly. So you build a bit of a relationship and um, can really see like success over time. So, I mean, it's cool. all, it really depends on the client project, yeah. but it's a real privilege. You know, I, for many years I did this in a local church and I was more and more being asked outside of that local church. I was in a multi-site church in Toronto as the communications director. I was a, a pastoral role at one point, mm-hmm. a creative role. And I was being asked by all these other organizations to help. And so I just felt like I couldn't keep doing the outside and the inside. So I ended up leaving. Yeah. I've been there for nine years. So oh, wow. I felt like it was time to leave the church role mm-hmm. um, because I'd been there nine years and I had really felt like I'd accomplished what I came to do and now yeah. get to do it with more places. And I still go to the church, uh, but I don't work oh, there cool. anymore. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So did your interest in communications really start in the church? I mean, I've been a talker my whole life. I remember family <laughs> would say when I was learning to talk that I had a very loud voice and I probably was going to be a speaker of some kind. So, I mean, it, I come by it honestly, <laughs> come by it very naturally. But 
Yeah, I think in some ways I've been communicating my whole life. You know, I literally, I was the person doing the school announcements over the PA system as oh, a I kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in that sense, I was communicating, doing marketing as a 10 year old, you know, <laughs> yeah. but no, when, when I was, when I was in high school, I was part of a church with a really large youth group of maybe 300 students. Mm-hmm. So therefore in context of how many students there were, we had a communications team that I led. I don't even know how I happened upon this, but I became like the marketing communications person for the youth group and mm-hmm. had a little team. And this was in the early 2000s. So in context of the technology, every other Sunday evening, we had a service. And so we would sit in the church office. One of the things our communications team did was call. We phoned every Mm. single student every single week. And um, we just went through the list and divided it up. And sometimes we talked to them. And because it was the old days, it was a landline. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we talked to their mother or their dad or whatever. (laughs) And, um, you know, how often we heard, you know, they weren't planning on coming, but because we, we got a hold of them, we actually, they did pick up the phone that day and we chatted with them, you know, how many people wow. came just by that personal connection. And then began to, I think, you know, we started doing like news videos in the youth group and, uh, you know, I don't mean, it just kind of went from there, but I started seeing the power of it went into, I did a business and communications degree undergrad. And yeah, I mean, I thought I'd end up in the marketing world in business because mm-hmm. I didn't really grow up in a context where women were in meaningful leadership of church. Yeah. And so I thought that my skill set and my personality type <laughs> would be um, more appreciated in a business context. Okay. And then I began to discover that there were places in church for me. Yeah. And that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah, so many years later, uh, now this is what I do. That's awesome. I love the personal connection with all of those other youth kids. That is First off, very time consuming, but I mean, how much more meaningful is it that you would do that? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and it was great. You know, sometimes it was their mom, right? Who their mom would be like, oh yeah, that's tonight. Like Mike, (laughs) you got to get there, Mike, you got to get there. (laughs) You know, I'm not sure that's always the right choice, you know, but sometimes it was the right thing for the parent to get the kid there and, and they were glad once they got there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. All right. So we're going to get everybody on the same page, just making sure that we got our definitions down. But what is and really involved in the world of communications? How would you really define that? Ah, yeah. Great question. (laughs) I mean, because it's evolving. I mean, basically communications to me is any part of an organization that is bringing in content information, like, you know, literally, I mean, how do you explain a word without using the word itself? How do you say communications without saying communications? Uh, Yeah. Bringing content to people, promotions and, you know, an articulation of the mission, vision, values, purpose, events, Mm -hmm. activities of the organization. So, so that includes print, you know, and it includes digital includes in-person interaction. So the communication is happening at all times, in all directions. That's part of the challenge. It's a living organism. And when you're not saying anything, you still are communicating, right? We all know that. You know, you can be in a room with someone who isn't saying anything and they're still saying a lot. (laughs) So it's the same for an organization. You know, what they choose to say or not say both says something. Yeah. So yeah, communication is the pastor preaching on a Sunday and communications is the print bulletin you receive in your chair. Communications is uh, the email you get and the social media and the videos and the photography and the graphic Mm -hmm. design and the branding. And I also think communication is 
the person who says hello to you at the front door and how that Mm -hmm. connection goes. Yeah. all I mean, it's so much. Yeah. It's all things related to print, digital and in-person content and interactions with the, the organization. Okay. I love that. Okay. So let's bring it down to the kind of more in-person kind of communication mm-hmm. that we need to be having. So we may associate communications maybe with more with people in, in leadership more exclusively, but why should the regular person, the regular woman who are listening, why should we be willing to learn how to communicate or use communications well? Hmm. Well, I think kind of, as I just said, uh, we're communicating whether we mean to or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, if we're talking about in person, you know, I took a whole course in my undergrad about nonverbal communication. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of what I'm saying. But you can be in a room with your partner and they're not saying anything, but they're yeah. saying a lot by not saying anything. You know, their body language, their tone, everything is saying something. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I mean, we're in such a connected world digitally now. Yeah. You know, I think that. A lot of the time we're talking about now every leader has become, we kind of joke like overnight with the pandemic, now every pastor has become like a televangelist that mm-hmm. they never signed up to be. You yeah. know, they have to become an expert at online media production. And in some ways, it's not even just leaders. It's all of us. A lot of our interactions now are over media and video and technology. We have to write great emails. Even just like a caption on an Instagram post can communicate yeah. so much or um, you know, can show how bad we are at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think we're consuming so much more online content as well through all of the pandemic. And I've even myself had to just think about what my words are actually saying to other mm. people, especially honestly with like on Facebook, where I know more of the people <laughs> that I am connected to on there, like you and your actual friends or whatever. It's like, how am I communicating the gospel um, during a time that feels really heavy? Okay. So practically, what are some of what you would say are the keys to being a really good communicator, especially on how we give our stories? As a believer, I want to be able to share my testimony. I want to be able to share my story. So what are some ways that we would be able to communicate that well during this time? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the big buzzword people always use is authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we want to be real with people. Mm-hmm. People don't need a squeaky, like, why do we love, I don't know, some of these stars that we watch on online these days is because you get behind the scenes with them. You know, yeah. we don't just want the glamorized version of their life. We want to see what their house looks like. We want to see their messy kitchen, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's the same as sort of the metaphor of our life. People don't just want to see the perfect polished part of it. We want to see a bit of the journey along the way. Mm-hmm. So authenticity would be one. And the other thing I would say is, you know, to practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, as with anything, uh, we're not great the first time we do it, but you can practice alone or you can just practice on the internet. I mean, I would mm-hmm. say maybe do a bit of both. Yeah. But, um, the first time we try and tell a little bit of our story, it'll probably come out a bit fumbling. Mm -hmm. Over time, we get a bit clearer about how we want to say it. And that's just the practice. You know, when you see people who are excellent communicators on a stage who are telling a story, they have told that story hundreds of times. Yeah. Typically, or they have told stories, at least maybe not that exact story, but they have told stories hundreds of times. And so they weren't born a storyteller. They just did it over and over until they got better. And we don't need to all be professional storytellers, but stories have power. They move people. We're a story kind of 
people. Humans love story. We want, you know, it's why we're obsessed with Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's why, you know, Hamilton comes out on Disney Plus in July and everybody, you know, is talking about watching the same story. We love story. It moves us, connects to our soul. Mm-hmm. And so telling stories is human. It's one of the most human things I think we can do. So we will get better if we tell them more often, but uh, we should just be authentic with them. And I would say to anyone doing it in the way that you find most natural, like some people prefer to write. Some people like to talk. Maybe some people want to do it through art or through a video. I mean, there's lots of probably ways on the digital platforms we can do it, but to do it, just try it. Yeah, absolutely. It does make me think about when we are communicating our stories or communicating our faith, maybe with somebody who's not a believer Mm -hmm. and just the power of language. What do we need to keep in mind when we are speaking to a non-believer when it comes to that language and really articulating our stories and our beliefs in a way that other people are going to understand without, because, you know, people get too like Christianese, right? We use all of these words that we use in church and they might not always connect well with a non-believer. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? The Christianese. I think we just need to be more normal. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I think a lot of us spend as Christians, it's wonderful to have Christian community and we need Christian community, but we spend so much time in it that we forget how normal people talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the words we use sometimes aren't helpful to them. It doesn't mean that like any, any group, any, you know, if you work in a business, you're going to have insider language. If you started a company, they're going to be using phrases and acronyms you've never heard of. So it's mm-hmm. not wrong to have insider language. We just need to be aware that when there are outsiders or mm-hmm. people less familiar, maybe they're new to being part of the group that they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I think that's partly, again, just the trial and error of practicing or thinking of, you know, the like the thing, like, how would you talk about this to someone who is a new Canadian? Or how would you talk about this to someone who, you know, comes from another planet? You know, <laughs> like, it's sort of a fun exercise to think of, like, how would you explain your experience with Christ to someone who imagine they have no context at all? Because more and more in a post-Christian culture, that's the case. Yeah. You know, there's a friend of mine who runs a church who leads a church as a pastor couple in Montreal. And there's this awesome story out of the church in Montreal where this guy comes to church and it was in the middle of a Jonah series, you know, Jonah and the whale. Yeah. And uh, he says at the end, you know, that was a great lecture or whatever he says. That was a great (laughs) lecture. Thank you so much. And then he says, Oh, but you know, it's really too bad about that Jonah and the whale. And the, and the pastor's like, what? No, no. Like, Oh, he gets back out of the whale. And the guy's like, Oh, Oh, he does. He's like, yeah, if you come back next week, like we'll tell the next part of the story. And he's like, you do this every week? (laughs) Like the guy had no clue. He doesn't know anything about Jonah and the whale. He doesn't know anything about like the constructs that churches organized in that you could come every week, that there would be series that are taught in parts about the same story. Like he has no context for this. Mm -hmm. And this is a Canadian. And so, you know, we can't assume that people understand church culture Mm-hmm. at all. And so, yeah, let's speak to them, not because they're stupid, but because yeah. they have a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's move more into like the digital space, you know, with less travel, I mean, COVID happening. And I don't want this to be just for COVID necessarily, but it's because it's the season that we're in um, mm-hmm. where there's less travel, more social distancing, just everything has moved online in general. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of people who are afraid to communicate faith online. 
Mm -hmm. a little afraid to share. But why shouldn't we be afraid to communicate in this fear? And how do we how do we do that well then? Yeah, well, that's a huge question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I mean, how do we do it well? I mean, how blunt can I be? I mean, Christians can be real jackasses, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, gosh, Mm -hmm. uh, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe exhibit the fruit of the spirit that you claim you want other people to experience for themselves love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Maybe Mm -hmm. try those. Yeah. Uh, We will be known by our love. So. I mean, that's the broad stroke of it. I mean, Christians get involved in stupid arguments and hateful things and just things that are um, not useful to Mm -hmm. argue about. Like, when was the last time, you know, people were posting some political issue and you wrote a rebuttal below and they were like, oh, thank you so much. I'm now informed about the better way of looking at this and I've changed my mind. No, nobody does that. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we shouldn't have conversations, but discussing with people on the internet to desire to change their mind and usually do so in an angry way. I mean, it's not yeah. going to get anyone anywhere. Just mm-hmm. You just look hateful. So <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, uh, why should we do it? Why should we try anyways? Mm-hmm. I mean, I say all the time that the church doesn't just have the good news. It has the best news in the world. So we should become the best communicators in the world because we have the most important thing to say. Mm -hmm. And it takes practice like any other skill to be better at it. We can look at the life of Jesus, how he tells stories, uses things from people's real life around them to explain what God is like, how he is um, respectful of his opponents in an argument. Uh, It's not even an argument, just a, a debate or a discussion back and forth, people who disagree with him. Mm-hmm. He uses good humor and jokes and uh, is just so compelling. I mean, obviously he was a fantastic communicator being God and all, but uh, there's certainly lots for us to take cues from because lots of people opposed what he had to say and he somehow was able to do it and gain, you know, thousands of people following him around the countryside as he did it. So yeah. there is a way to be loving and a storyteller and bring good news to people and shock them a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, without turning into the things that we say we're against. Yeah, for sure. I've actually felt pretty discouraged with some mm. of the stuff that I have been yeah. seeing. I just think, is that helpful? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I would rather focus on the beauty of Christ than on a secondary issue. Mm. We all need to learn how to do it better. I know I've been checking and rechecking everything that I've been putting up because I want to be so careful mm. that we are really communicating Christ in the way that he deserves to be communicated mm. to the best of our ability. I think that is a reason people are afraid to put anything up. We don't want to be that person. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who don't need to post it all on the internet all the time. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But um, as with anything, I think Maybe we don't do a good enough job in church talking about what I'm trying to do on this conversation. It's a skill that is developed over time. Yeah. I don't think we think about it that way very often. That like just because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit within us doesn't mean we don't need to like build up the muscles of connecting. You know, like as with anything, it's a spiritual growth or um, the maturity of our faith and our life with Jesus is that there are things we will get better at over time. And we don't get better at communicating Jesus by not doing it. We get better by doing it and getting some feedback 
along the way, you know, so maybe if we're not sure about posting things, there are wise people we could send it to and say, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Should I post this? And Mm -hmm. if you're not sure, it's always that good wait 24 hours before you post, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a, kind of a rule. If you're not sure if you feel like it is controversial, Mm -hmm. but I think why, you know, some people like a Bob Goff, if, if people know him, he's a lawyer and, you know, has lived a ridiculous and wonderful, (laughs) whimsical life. He's a hero of mine. I love Bob. And he's an author and a speaker and as a delegate to Uganda and he is getting witch doctors in prison for killing babies. He's doing amazing, amazing stuff. And also he just like lives this hilarious and ridiculous and whimsical life of joy. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, as you say, he's one of your heroes. It's attractive because he's full of hope and joy. And there's a childlikeness around this 60 year old man who's highly educated. So he's not an idiot, but he's, he's whimsical in some ways that is very refreshing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You want to be around a guy like that. You want to know what it is that makes him that way. Totally. Totally. I'm wondering in this kind of post-Christian culture, how do we really reach the culture that we're in, in the digital age? maybe more on a ministry or church level. How do we kind of enter into culture without blending into culture? Yeah. Well, I think, again, part of that is (laughs) the news I keep coming back to is, hey, it's going to take some work and practice. Keep working at it that like none of this comes naturally. You know, the culture that is opposed to us requires us to know, understand, be educated, you know, be a bit of an anthropologist Mm -hmm. about the place that you live and the people that you live amongst who are different than you and think differently. You know, if if you were going to be a missionary in another place in the world, I have a brother who lives abroad doing that. He went through a few years of training to go there. Mm -hmm. They had to learn a new language, literally. Yeah. They are constantly fumbling in that culture with things that they didn't understand. And so they're getting better. Um, but they make you make mistakes along the way in a culture that is not your own. And so it's the same even in our own culture, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That it's more and more foreign and opposed to our faith. And so we can expect that we need to do some work to understand it. And we do the work not because it's work in itself, but we do it out of love. Mm-hmm. We need to love people and to love them is to serve them. And to serve them is to know the work of understanding them a little bit better and getting in their brains a bit. So that's a broad meandering thing. But one of the things I've been thinking of a lot is uh, Carrie Newhoff's podcast. He recently interviewed Tim Keller and Tim Keller, this, you know, metropolitan New York city, brilliant mind around faith and church and why God still makes sense. And can a reasonable person can believe in the God of the Bible of Christianity one of the things he says in this interview that is fascinating to me is he said, if he were to start a church today, the way he would preach would be entirely different mm-hmm. because the world has changed so much since when he started. So 50, a hundred years ago, the approach of like fire and brimstone, the fear of hell, all this kind of stuff was, it worked yeah. <laughs> yeah. as the culture yeah. um, had a sense of that there was a God and that they had somehow, they weren't good enough. Uh, to measure up. They felt there were some sort of an awareness of their sin nature or their evil doings. And so they needed a fix for that. And the fix for that was Jesus. But, you know, Tim Keller, you know, in all of his brilliance would say to us today, that doesn't work anymore. If you tell someone today that they aren't good, 
Mm -hmm. I should say that there's something wrong with them. It's offensive, insulting. You're shutting down the conversation before it even starts. But if you want to start a conversation with someone today, Tim says, talk about identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because people want to know their identity. They want to understand where they come from. And who is the one who gives us an identity that lasts forever, an identity that's secure in an anxious world is Jesus. That like our identity as brother and sister to Jesus, as the children of God, saints, you know, all these ways that the New Testament describes believers. This kind of identity is the one that we can focus on as an approach to apologetics. It doesn't mean we won't eventually later talk about, you know, sin and all those other issues. Mm -hmm. But if you come at it with the wrong tone, the wrong angle, because you are totally ignorant to the culture, you come across like a clashing symbol, right? So to be loving, we need to understand the culture. And and I think Tim, who is a brilliant mind, much smarter than me, would talk about this. This identity issues seem to be the approach and the bridge today to use. Um, yeah. Talking about our identity, how we found our identity, how we're searching for our identity, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I I love that. That seems like it's a real like entry point into the conversation. And I was just thinking, you were talking about the church really serving the need mm. of the culture. What are some of the questions or how can we serve the questions that the culture has online? I mean, there's lots of different ways. I would say what whatever your favorite way is to mm-hmm. serve the culture. I mean, okay, here's what I would say. There are a lot of brilliant people, like I've just referred to Tim Keller. There are a lot of really smart people in the world uh, who have already done the work. Mm. I think more and more what we need is less people creating content and more people who are curators of the content that already exists. Yeah. So, you know, for you to on your own website or your own Instagram or your own email or I don't know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, for you to have a resource of links of stuff that you've checked out that you think already exists and answers that struggle or that question in a way that you resonate with, Mm -hmm. then like curate that for people. Because there are lots of people who, I don't know, would have an opinion on any given topic. And some of those people are super smart and thoughtful. And some of them present very kind and gracious. And some of them are super smart, but come in like an angry, arrogant way. Well, I wouldn't probably put that kind of thing on my list if I was curating for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So literally just, you know, not feeling the pressure to always create the content because there is so much good content, but to think of ways that you could make lists and, you know, to send out an email every week with like your favorite content of the week to people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't even have to be your own, just like links to other people who you thought were smart curated for people or, um, you know, if you're talking about a subject, you take a quote, you talk about it for one minute on Instagram, you say like, this is part of a whole big article, you can click here to read more. You don't have to be the one who knows the answer to, is the Bible trustworthy? Um, There are people who have done the work on that and the answers exist. So you just need to help people find them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So in church and ministry, I love that your mission is to help the church become the best communicators in the world. I Mm -hmm. I love that because I think you're, it's so right. We do have the best news. We have the best truth to offer people, the most comprehensive truths to offer people. Sometimes the church doesn't always do that super well outside of the church doors. So where do you see in your work where churches are doing really well and where Mm -hmm. do they maybe need to step up and make some improvement? Uh, well, I mean, I think churches that are doing online things <laughs> right mm-hmm. now, 
you know, churches that need to step up or churches that are just kind of waiting for this pandemic to roll over and Mm. maybe people will come back. No, people won't come. Like people aren't coming back. Mm -hmm. We're going to be in this, certainly in Canadian context, we're going to be this way for a long time. It looks like. Mm -hmm. So get on the internet Mm -hmm. because that's where people are now. I mean, it's not ideal in some ways because we're also tired of the internet. But um, yeah, get there. (laughs) Um, So I mean, just starting as a baseline, you know, churches that are engaging and trying things in digital space right now is is significant. I mean, I love everything that Alpha is doing. If you're familiar with Alpha, Mm -hmm. evangelistic, thoughtful, beautifully filmed videos that take people all over the world asking big questions about things like, is the Bible trustworthy? And what's the deal with, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity stuff? And why do Christians pray? And doesn't even matter. And, you know, all kinds of questions about God and faith and life. And they do it from a Christian perspective. They've been um, doing it for decades. Millions of people around the world have done Alpha, where Mm -hmm. you gather and eat a meal together and watch a video and then have a discussion um, where all opinions are welcome. But but now they've taken that format and moved it online. So people are doing it on Zoom. There's a church in New York City who every single day is starting a new Alpha. Wow. Amazing. Wow. It's John Tyson's church. Every day they have enough people. You only need like five right. to start a new Alpha. And so that's, um, that's obviously a lot. Yeah. But people are hungry for it right now. And it's exciting to see it. And this, so there's churches and youth groups and young adults, just people like you and I, normal people who can click play on a video, invite our friends to a Zoom hang, and we eat dinner over Zoom and joke around and then watch video and have discussion. And what the guy, Nikki Gumbel, who started, he always says, you know, like the thing about when you come in person is there's so much more like commitment and social awkwardness around some of it. But if you're on Zoom, the guy's just, he kind of just said like, if you don't like it, you just leave the Zoom call and like you never have to come back. (laughs) So it's pretty low stakes, you know, for people who are curious about these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the top things that come to my mind. Um, all things alpha, I think is awesome. But oh, man, so many are trying different things. And it's exciting to see, you know, lots of online stuff. But as I said, I think one of the best things that churches can do right now is just curate. Mm-hmm. You don't have the most eloquent, brilliant pastor. Um, those people exist in the world. Just like find their content and offer it to your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So this could be an overgeneralized statement, and I really don't mean to pick on women communicators, but in talking with some of my friends and really through my own observations, I've noticed that a lot of women tend to be more emotionally focused communicators. Mm. I just want to know from your perspective, how do we make sure that we are moving beyond emotionally charged messages that actually really meet and challenge people? I think that is true. There are some who lean more story, but I think there are men who do that too. Mm. Um, When I think of like all the pop preachers, like the rich Wilkerson Jr., Carl Lentz, Judah Smith, you know, they'll spend out of a 40 minute sermon, they'll spend 20 of it telling you some big, ridiculous, like Judah Smith could go for 20 minutes on some story before he gets to the point. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe he doesn't do that as much anymore because he's he's doing shorter messages. But I don't think it's uniquely a female thing. But what I will say is for a lot of women, they don't get into this kind of work till later. There's this factor that happens for a lot of women very practically to do with having kids, mm-hmm. which means that while men were getting more educated, women were having babies. 
Uh, I'm making a broad generalization. Yeah, yeah. So men were going and getting masters in theologies and I don't know, reading smart people books or something. (laughs) And women in those same years of their 20s were, or their early, you know, into their 30s were raising kids. Mm -hmm. And not that men weren't involved in the raising of children, but, you know, it's a broad generalization. So I think that more women ultimately need theological education to talk about theology better. And I don't, that doesn't mean you have to go to a seminary, although I do think that that would help. Mm -hmm. I think in general, to be respected in a world that is already unsure about if women should be teachers and communicators of the good news of Jesus. Although interesting, they were the first to do it. Mm -hmm. When the tomb was found empty, the first people to tell good news were women. Mm -hmm. And so we'll just leave it there. But, (laughs) but if women want to be part of this work, one of the reasons they weren't believed when they left the tomb was because women in first century Palestine were largely uneducated. And one of the reasons I think that women um, struggle for respect today is a perception, rather real or unfair, Mm -hmm. uh, is less educated. And so I would encourage women, again, do the work. A lot of what my theme is of what we're talking about today is it takes work, mm-hmm. um, but it's worth the work. Most things in life that are worth doing require work, require effort, require sweat and tears. And some of it goes slower than we want. You know, we wish you could take a, a full two years of our life to dedicate to a seminary pursuit. I mean, that's not realistic for most people. Mm-hmm. So then just do it on the side, do it slowly, take a course, read a seminary textbook. I don't know, read, Mm -hmm. read a commentary on Ephesians or something. I don't know. I mean, there's video content too you can do, but do the work. Mm -hmm. I think especially as women to get respect, um, it helps if we have some education behind us. And that's one of the reasons I got a master's in theology was because not the only reason, but one of the reasons was Mm -hmm. because I was in a predominantly male environment and I wanted to have a piece of paper to prove the thing that I already knew, which was that I was smart, capable, called by God, and able to be a peer to these men. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that response. I agree and love everything that you're saying. Practically, what are some resources then? Where should we start digging into that so that we can kind of level up? Okay. This is going to sound like a plug, but I, I, this wasn't a setup. It's interesting. Actually, I'm coming onto the board. I won't say the name of it yet, but I'm coming onto the board of a seminary, which is different than the seminary I'm about to plug. So I'll leave it. So that's why I'm not naming the other one. But the school that I went to was called Wycliffe College in Toronto. Wycliffe College is an evangelical seminary, Mm -hmm. but it is at the University of Toronto, which means there is government funding for your education. So if you go to a private typical seminary that a lot of people go to in Canada, I'm speaking to Canadians. I assume a lot of your audience is Canadian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even if you were American coming to this school, coming to Wycliffe College, which a lot of Americans do, is cheaper than going to a lot of schools in the US. Yeah. Wycliffe College is rated above Princeton. Oh, wow. On the theological seminary world. It's a highly rated academic experience. But instead of paying like at a lot of uh, private Christian schools, you're paying like twelve or 1300 bucks for a course. At Wycliffe, you're paying $600. Mm-hmm. 
for a course. Mm-hmm. So you get a master's in theological studies or um, you can do a focus in development. If you're interested in social work and those kinds of issues, you can do one on church planning. You can, you can, there's different focuses you can do, but in the end you've paid half of what you've paid at a lot of other schools. So I tell people about Wycliffe all the time and you don't have to live in Toronto. You can do the whole thing online. I think it's great if you can come and come to Toronto to do, you know, a course. But if you're a Canadian, you know, it's going to be way cheaper than any other school that I can think of. You're going to get a great evangelically based education with a diverse community of different denominations as part of your classes. Mm -hmm. But you're just going to pay way less money for a degree where you're probably not going to make a lot of money doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think if you were going to be a lawyer or a doctor, you know, Go find a school that, you know, go go to whatever school you want because you'll pay back whatever. If you made $100,000 in student debt, you'll pay it back with your high salary from your work. But if you're going to be in a ministry context, I would say do it as cheaply as possible. And mm-hmm. Wycliffe is one of the best educations you can get in seminary and one of the most affordable. So you should go. There we go. Start there. <laughs> like, I don't know, take a course on like the New Testament or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that that sounds awesome. I actually want to check that out. I actually taught a course there this fall or this spring. Oh, I um, I was part of a course called Church and Technology, where we wrestled through all these issues of, you know, the implications of what happens when the church engages online and in technology and like, what do we lose when we go on the internet and what do we gain and all that kind of stuff. That was the course. It was great. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Very relevant to our climate right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They do the course every year. It just has more relevance now than ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, as we wrap up the conversation, there's a few questions that we like to ask every guest. The first one being, what is a resource that you would recommend that has been helpful to you in the area of communication? Mm. Um, YouTube (laughs) (laughs) is probably the number one resource, I think, because, you know, things change so quickly. Mm -hmm. Andy Stanley wrote a book called Communicating for Change. It's an excellent Mm. book on public communicate, like public speaking. I would recommend to anyone. There's a book by Kem, K-E-M, Kem Meyer called Less Clutter, Less Noise. If you're building like a communication strategy in a church, I'd recommend it. But honestly, just in general, YouTube. But I mean, I have lots of resources myself. If people are just looking for that kind of stuff, you can go to the curation that I'm doing or the content I'm creating on um, joanelaflair.com or wordmadedigital.com. Go, you know, YouTube and Google are your best friend when it comes to, I don't know, how to do better on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) All right, perfect. One of the questions that we like to ask is what is one spiritual practice that has really been giving you life lately? Yeah, I'm part of, um, I, I work with Danielle Strickland, who's a speaker, mm. author, many other things. She, yeah. if, if, if you don't know her, you know, she's a well-known person in that world. And um, actually the place that you and I met, she was speaking there as well. Yeah. So I work with Danielle. We have lots of fun. And one of the things we do is this thing called infinitum and infinitum, like the word infinity is this idea of, you know, endless, boundless, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Mm. Christ. And there's an app where um, it gives you prompts every day to pray and consider and reflect. There's um, questions you can ask in a hub or like you could call it a small group, but really it's just like get two friends, go on Zoom once every couple of weeks, ask some pointed questions of one another that are accountability, but not in the like maybe typical way you think of it in evangelical circles. Accountability more like in what ways have you been generous to someone this week? 
Mm-hmm. Like what is something that you're holding on to that you need to like release and surrender wow. to God? Like these kinds of questions you get to ask each other and then there's challenges. So this app, Infinitum Life, it's free. But within that, we do a monthly prayer day, which is it's really a half day. It's three hours and anyone can join us. If you have 10 bucks, you can join us. And this has been one of the most life-giving things for me. Basically, we start together on Zoom mm-hmm. and we have some, maybe some worship or some reflection. Someone kind of sets us up for the day in a meaningful way to kind of warm us up. And then we spend an hour and a half or two hours alone with a toolkit we're given in advance. So there's like listening prayer and there's scriptures and there's like coloring pages you can do and pray Mm. through. One of the exercises in last week's, we just did it last week. The booklet we had was an exercise where you got a Sharpie and wrote a prayer on the bottom of your shoes. And then you had to go on a prayer walk and you were invited to literally pray it off as you walked. I love that. Sort of simple there. Anyone go try that. It's it's, you can do it with your kids. It's so fun, but um, you can pray for your neighbors or you could pray for your own life, whatever's going on, write it on your shoe and then walk. It only takes like half an hour, then like walk it off and pray. And so there's all kinds of tools you get in this book. So it's like, you don't have to think about it. You just have to show up. It's all prepared for you. You just block off the time. And then at the end, we get back together and we break into little groups and everyone has an opportunity if they want to share what God was saying to them in their own private time. And um, it's amazing how God says like themes, how like across the whole group of dozens of us, we're like hearing the same things. Wow. And then we end with maybe we'll take communion together over Zoom or we'll do a few other things. And it's a three hour experience once a month where we have to like shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And we always think we're going to do it, but if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's partly why we've opened it up to more people beyond just our Danielle Strickland team. We've opened it up because we find if people just put it on their calendar, they're more likely to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I can send you the link for it if people want to join us. Every month we do it. Oh, I love that. I love that it's a community experience too. Yeah. That's really, really yeah. cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I sure appreciate your time and your expertise. And I have a feeling that other people are going to be wanting to follow along and what you're doing as well. I love Word Made Digital. Oh, thanks. I really, really enjoy the podcast. I've taken so many practical things away from there, passed it on to my pastors, really, really enjoyed it. So oh, thank you. Yeah. So where else can we follow along on your on your work online? Yeah. I mean, if you want to see my life, Instagram is probably the best place to find me, but I have, um, if you're interested in all things about digital in the church, there's a Facebook group that has about 450, 500 people in it. Wow. So it's called digital church. If you just go on Facebook and search digital church, you'll find the group and it's leaders from all over the world that are leaders or volunteers or pastors who are interested in talking about and sharing resources and connecting around all things to do with the church in the digital world. So it's someone might ask a question about like, how are you guys doing your kids ministry? And someone else might be like, hey, I just found this crazy article about, I don't know, AI and like the future of, I don't know, whatever, and like nerdy stuff. Yeah. Tech. <laughs> but no, we talk about all things digital. And uh, it's a lot of fun and it's free. So why not join? It's a great resource to people and a growing community of really cool people all over the world. Yeah. want to make friends and serve one another and connect. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. And thank you so much for your time, Joanna. I sure appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. I am so glad that oh, we did this. Leah, you're a delight. <laughs> Same to you. Same to you. A special thank you to Joanna for coming on the show. 
One of the things I love most was when she was asking us to really think about the way we communicate with others. Are we exuding the fruits of the spirit? Ooh, that dug a little deep. I really appreciated her insights and wisdom in this area, and it was awesome to hear from another fellow Canadian. We love having Canadians on the show. So if you're a communicator in any way or have a desire to get into digital ministry, I'm going to again encourage you to follow along with Joanna's podcast, Word Made Digital. It's an awesome podcast. She does an incredible job of really being warm and inquisitive, and she's got great guests on there, including the guy from Preachers and Sneakers. That's kind of cool. This week's Lab by 68 challenge is to look at your last five social media posts. Okay, ask yourself, do they exude grace, compassion, respect, and the beauty of Christ? Even if you're not talking about Jesus specifically, look at those last five social media posts and ask yourself that question. Is it really exuding the fruits of the Spirit? Use the hashtag labi 68 challenge if you choose to reflect online. And you can also tag me on Instagram at leah.rempel. Next week, we're starting something a little bit new. At the end of every month now, I'm going to be taking the mic solo and pouring my heart into solo episodes for you guys. I'm really excited about this opportunity. I have so much that I would love to share. And next week, we are going to be talking about Sabbath. And I know we had an amazing episode with Becca talking about Sabbath, but I had some questions come in about how do you really prepare for Sabbath? How do you include kids with Sabbath? And there's just some of the nitty grittier stuff that people had questions about. And so I am very happy to be coming on here and giving you a little bit of my perspective and talking about my absolute favorite practice that we do, which is having a weekly Sabbath. So excited to share that one with you. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that. Okay, have a wonderful week, everyone. And remember, you are a kingdom builder. Your voice and your actions really matter. And in the words of the prophet Isaiah, we proclaim, here I am, Lord, send me. 